Well, it was uh, Christmas time, and so uh, two blondes headed out into the cold woods of Pennsylvania searching for the perfect Christmas tree. Uh, These two blondes searched and searched and searched, but they could not find what they were looking for. Finally, it was almost nighttime. Darkness was getting ready to fall, and finally one blonde said to the other, we're cutting down the next Christmas tree. I don't care if it's decorated or not. <laughs> Took you a few minutes, didn't it? Um, maybe you'll appreciate this. Maybe you saw this floating around the Internet this week. Do you know what this is? Yeah, it's uh, Frosty the Snowman's baby picture. Well, it is that time of the year. You know, it's time for putting up all the decorations and sending out the Christmas cards, making time for all the Christmas events, um, baking cookies, uh, finding time to go shopping, getting all the gifts wrapped. I mean, the, the list is endless, right? And it's fun, but it can be exhausting. And there's something that seems to happen to a lot of us most years around this time of the year. Let me illustrate it this way. I was uh, thinking back this week uh, uh, over the football season. I'm a regular attender at the Mariner football games. And so um, I was thinking, though, this year as I was watching a number of the football games, um, because I don't have a uh, son playing anymore, that um, things would happen on the field. And somebody would say, did you see that? And I'd say, no, I, I didn't see that because I was looking over at something that was happening in the stands or I was watching something down here. I wasn't really paying attention. Peck and I uh, driving the car together a lot, of course, and uh, I was thinking that just a couple of weeks ago we were driving along and we were in this great conversation with each other, and before I even knew it, I had missed completely where I needed to turn because I was paying attention to the conversation and not where I was driving. Now, you know what? I, I don't want to miss, didn't want to miss the play on the field. I didn't want to miss where I needed to turn, but I did because I was distracted by other things and I wasn't paying attention. And when it comes to this time of year, we always, a lot of us are saying, you know, I, I, want, I want this year to be special. I don't want to miss it. I want to make sure I catch the real meaning of Christmas. But if we're not careful, we will miss it because we'll get distracted by the long list of things that, we're, that we want to do and we're not paying attention to God. So today I'd like to try to take a few minutes at the beginning of this month and sort of recalibrate our minds and our souls. To make sure that as we enter this season, we're paying attention to God. I want to look at a very familiar story in the Bible in Luke chapter 2. And so I hope you brought your Bibles. I hope you will bring them all throughout this Christmas series. Open them up today to Luke chapter 2. Now, usually we read the first part of Luke chapter 2. That's the familiar part of the Christmas story. I want to read the, towards the end of chapter 2. It's part of the Christmas story, but it's the part we usually just skip right over. We don't really pay attention to it. And I want to kind of zero in on this. This what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 2 today starts after, um, it, it happens after Jesus has been born and the angels have come and appeared to the shepherds and the shepherds have gone to see the baby in the manger and a few days have passed and we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2 verse 21 and here's what we read. On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. Now understand a few things here. Notice that it says on the eighth day, first of all, he was going to be circumcised, that rite of passage as a Jewish boy. But also, notice that it wasn't until the eighth day that his parents gave him the name Jesus. That's because in the culture of this time, the infant mortality rate was so high 
that parents waited until several days after their child, usually the eighth day, the day of circumcision, to give their child a name. And so finally on this day, they give Jesus His name and they take Him to be circumcised in the temple. Verse 22. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Jesus and Mary took Him to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. Now they were, they were obeying the law of the Lord or the law of Moses or the, the Torah. The things we would have found in the Old Testament that said on the eighth day you were to, to take your son to be circumcised. And on the eighth day the woman was considered purified. She had, it had been long enough that she was pure again and could once again enter the temple. And so they go there. Verse 23, as it is written from the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now it's interesting here that when they talk about Mary and Joseph making a sacrifice for the son, they only mention two doves or two pigeons. If you read actually in the Old Testament law, there was another option. There was the option of sacrificing a male lamb. But only people who were wealthy could afford to sacrifice a lamb. Those who lived at a lower level of poverty would have picked between two doves or two pigeons. And so obviously Mary and Joseph were not a family of wealth. In fact, many believe Jesus lived as a young man in poverty. So later when Jesus would teach about how we ought to care for the poor and when He would talk about what you've done to the least of these you've done to me, He really could understand. Because Jesus had lived among those poor people that He was saying you ought to care for. Now here's where the story really gets interesting. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which is simply code for he was waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. He wasn't a priest, but he was a righteous and devout man. He was following God, and the Holy Spirit was leading him. Verse 26, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. Moved by the Spirit on this day, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon had been on the lookout for this day for many years, probably. We don't know, really know how old Simeon is. Many have assumed that he was older because it simply talks about the fact that he might not, but we really don't know. But can you picture as Mary and Joseph bring their child into the temple this day and Simeon realizes this is the one. He begins to maybe kind of push his way through the people. He approaches them kind of aggressively. He kind of charges up to them and says, can I have your baby? You know, in our culture, we would say, can I show you my pepper spray? You know? But Mary and Joseph trusted him, and he takes the baby in his arms, and he praises God, saying these words, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people. A light, there's that word, a light, for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon is holding the baby Jesus. And I don't know if this baby was cute like all of the pictures want us to think he was. I mean, you know, the truth is some babies have to grow into their cuteness, right? I mean, none of your babies, I'm sure, but some babies have to grow into their cuteness. But here is Simeon holding the baby Jesus, and he gets it. 
God, God, you did it. God, you sent the Savior. God, you, you sent the light that will overcome the darkness that my people and the whole world have been living in for ages. God, you did it. And here's a lesson for us. Simeon got it. Do we? Simeon understood that God had sent a Savior, a Redeemer, the light of the world. God had done it. Simeon had spent his whole life awaiting the arrival of the Messiah. He spent his days looking for Jesus. And when, when the Savior finally came, he wasn't distracted by the busyness of life or by the routines of life. He got it. Do we? You see, here's the meaning of Christmas for us. God created man. But then by man's choice, man sinned and separated ourselves from God. And for thousands of years, man was separated from God. And all of man's attempts at keeping the law and making animal sacrifices to atone for our sin all of the law-keeping and the religious rituals and the prayers did nothing to close the gap between God and man. And then God, God came to man. He came as our Savior. He entered the world as a baby to rescue us. To rescue every one of you. And even if you had been the only man or woman or child on the face of the earth, God still would have come to rescue you. That's how much He loves you. I like how Molly Brown said it. She said, Christmas is love-tugging man back to God with the powerful grasp of a tiny hand reaching out of a bed of straw. Jesus said, For God so loved the world. That was Bethlehem. That He gave His one and only Son, that was Calvary, the cross. So that whoever believes in Him will not perish, that's salvation. But have eternal life, that's forever. That's what Christmas is about. Astronaut James Irwin said, There is something more important than man walking on the moon, and that is God walking on the earth. Simeon was witnessing the arrival of Jesus. Our Savior has come. Simeon got it. Do we? Now, of course, on today, as we're sitting here in this room, all of us are going to say, yeah, we get it, we get it. But, but here's my question. Will how we spend the next 20 days really show that we get it? Will our priorities this season prove that we get it? I, I think probably all of us marveled as we watched the news of the 33 miners who were trapped in the mine in Chile. First 17 days spent in absolute utter darkness in the mine. The remaining days they had some light but still living in that darkness and it went on and on and on, right? And finally after 69 days and they had... They had dug that shaft into the ground. They sent that 
vessel down into the ground, and 20 minutes later, the first miner was rescued out of that darkness and brought back into the light. In fact, they had to wear those special glasses. And we were captivated, probably many of us, as we watched the news, as one after another, all 33 miners rescued from the darkness and brought into the light. And what did those rescued men do, those miners? Well, they celebrated, didn't they? They rejoiced. They, they danced around. They thanked their rescuers because they had been rescued from the darkness and brought into the light. Jesus came 2,000 years ago to rescue us from the darkness of sin and to bring us into the light. How do we respond? I think Simeon shows us how we ought to respond when we think about the coming of the light. It says this in verse 28 again. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. The word for praise there is the word eulogie. Uh, it, it's uh, where we get our root word, you Google it. Yeah, I don't know if that would really work or not, but that's not really where we get that. It's where we get our root word, eulogy, which simply means to bless or to celebrate. And in this case, it's not a celebration of someone who is dead. It is much richer than that. Simeon celebrates the coming of the baby Jesus. He celebrates the coming of a Savior, the light of the world. And Simeon responds by rejoicing, by thanking God. You know what Simeon does? He worships. And worship could change your Christmas this year. Now, when I say worship, immediately everybody kind of thinks of what we do right here. And it's because we call this worship. And it is one place that we worship. But some people think, well, this is really the only time or place that I worship. But that's not true. Worship can happen anywhere, any place. Worship is about acknowledging and thanking God for what He has done. Worship is about recognizing that the light has come into our dark world. Worship is about remembering. Worship is about focus. Worship keeps us from getting distracted by all of the other things in life. Worship keeps us focused on what the season really is all about. So let me give you some simple ways that I think that we could worship this season in a number of places and a number of different times. Some simple ways that we could, we could lift the baby up and we could say, thank you God for sending the light into my darkness. There is a house in our neighborhood that has a manger scene. Actually, I haven't seen it this year, but it's there most years. And you know what? This manger scene in our neighborhood, it's nothing flashy. In fact, it's pretty rough looking. And amidst all of the houses in our neighborhood that have all the big blow-up things in their yards and all the fancy light displays, you honestly could miss this little manger scene. You know what? They're, they're all over. A lot of them are pretty rough. Some of them are not very realistic to the historical happenings. But they're a great reminder. Could I encourage you this Christmas, every time you see one of those manger scenes, to pause, Maybe it's just mentally. Maybe it's literally to pause your life for a moment and say to God, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son. 
we have a few manger scenes at our house. I think I've showed you before. This is uh, my favorite one. It's uh, some handcrafted pieces that someone made for Peg and I right when we got married. It was a wedding gift. And uh, we, we display it every year at our house. And I'm guessing a lot of you have these, some variety of these in your home. How about this year, placing, giving it a place of prominence when you decorate? A place where you'll see it often. And every time you see this simple scene, be reminded that the light came into our dark world and take a moment to say thank you to God. That's worship. That's what Simeon did. Gift giving is a great Christmas tradition, isn't it? It's a fun thing to do. It's a great way to express our love to people. This year, every time you wrap a gift or give a gift or receive a gift or you see a tree that has presents underneath it, why not take a moment right then to say to God, thank you for giving me the gift of your Son and let those presents be a reminder for you to worship and to be reminded what this season is really all about. I was in the Staples uh, just across from our office the other day, and I uh, was just shopping for some office supplies that we needed, and I had been working on the message, and so I was tuned into certain things, and as I was shopping, they were playing an old Christmas carol that talked about the, the glory that God deserves. And I can't even tell you what song it was, but it caught my attention for just that moment, and for just a second, I worshipped right in the middle of that story, and I said thank you to God. You know what, there are some great Christmas songs, and I don't mean Frosty the Snowman and White Christmas. I I love those too. But there are some great old Christmas carols that when we hear them, they are a reminder to worship the One who sent the light. Think about the words to O Holy Night. Some of the words go like this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. That's talking about that long period of darkness when we were separated from God. Till He appeared, Jesus And the Spirit felt its worth, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoicing. Or how about the words of the old carol, Silent Night? Son of God, love's pure light, there's that word, radiant beams from Thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. When you hear those words this Christmas, don't just pass them off as a song we've heard a thousand times before. Take a moment to think about what they say and worship in that moment. Worship broke out in the Macy's store in Philadelphia a couple of months ago. Maybe you've seen this on the internet. If you haven't, you ought to go check it out. They were having in Philadelphia these random acts of culture, they called it. And uh, on this particular day, and I don't know all of the, I may have some of the facts wrong, but if it's my understanding, I've listened to the video, watched it. There is actually a pipe organ somehow in this store or in the mall. And so the, the Philadelphia Symphonic Choir showed up and they belted out in that store the Hallelujah Chorus. And you know what happened? Most of the shoppers stopped shopping. Many of them began to sing along and worship broke out right there in the middle of that department store. It's pretty cool when you see it. And I'd encourage you this year that wherever you are, to let some of the words of these songs cause worship to break out right there in the middle of your heart and point you back to what this is all about. I'd encourage you to focus your family. I'd encourage you to focus your family by 
spending at least once a week, and I'd hope more often than that, having some family devotions. And by that I simply mean, why don't you just take out the Bible and read some short parts of Luke chapter 2 or Matthew chapter 1 or go back to Isaiah 9 that talks about the coming of the Messiah and just read a few verses with your family and help them to focus on what this time is all about. Or maybe you want to go online and find a really good Advent calendar that has a little thought for every day. And every night while you're sitting around the dinner table as a family, I hope you still do that, and uh, read one of those things. And focus your family on what this time is really all about. Maybe there are some traditions that you already have at your house or some traditions that you want to start that would help to focus your family. Um, you know, uh, at our house, when our boys were growing up, we would, um, every mor- Christmas morning when we'd get up, before we'd unwrap any of the gifts, we would sing Happy Birthday to Jesus. Which when your kids are really young, that's kind of a fun thing. You know, as you get older, you might get away from that tradition a little bit. But, um, you know, we did that. You know why? Because it was a reminder saying to our kids, this is not about the presents that we're about to open. This is about Jesus coming to earth. Our kids, before they would go to bed, we would we'd often read you know, the, the Santa Claus version of the Christmas story. But then we took the most time and the energy to open our Bibles and read through Luke chapter 2. And as the kids got older, they began to, you know, argue about who got to actually read it this year. And it was a reminder for us again that this whole thing is about the coming of Jesus. And so maybe there's some traditions like that that you could help that would help move your family to stay focused. You know, here's another idea. Some of us need to say no to some things this Christmas. It it is so easy for us to stack our calendars around this time of the year so full of stuff that there's no time to reflect on Jesus. And so maybe there are some things this Christmas that you ought to say no to so that you actually free up some time in your calendar to reflect and to think about what's really important. This would be a great time of year and an act of worship on your part to invite some of your friends to come to church, a place where they could hear the story of Jesus and learn about the redeeming grace of God. They could discover that light has come into our dark world. So why don't you think about some friends that you could invite over the next couple of weeks to to come and join you. And the last thing I'd say is you need to make being in worship a priority. If you're here in town, you ought to be here. Worshiping together because it helps all of us after a busy week to recalibrate our minds and to be reminded this is all about Jesus. And if you travel out of town, find a church to go to. You know what, parents? That is so important for you to set the example for your kids. That just because we go out of town doesn't mean we leave God at home. But we we still worship Him. We, We still have made Him the number one priority in our lives. And so even if we're out of town, we find a church to go to. Because we're going to worship together as a family. Now here's the thing about all of these things. If any of them are going to happen in our lives, we have to be very intentional about them. Simeon was intentional and he was focused every day as he awaited the arrival of Jesus. And if these kinds of things are going to happen in our life, we will have to be focused and intentional. So I'd encourage you to go home today. Take out your calendar. Take a look at these next 20 days and decide, how am I going to spend my time? How are we going to spend our time as a family that keeps us focused and intentional about remembering that Jesus, our Savior, is what we celebrate at this time of the year? When our boys were little and they would wake up on Christmas morning, we'd bring them into the living room 
and we'd hand them a gift. And they would just admire that gift for a couple of minutes. And then they would very carefully undo the tape on the edges of those packages. As carefully as they possibly could, they would take the paper off and then they would fold the paper up neatly beside it and lay it on the ground. Do you believe that? Not for a second. They ripped into those packages as fast as they could possibly open them. They were passionate about getting into those gifts. And as we worship, our worship ought to come with some passion in our hearts. Some excitement, some joy over the fact that the light of the world came into the darkness. You guys know that I am known for being a little verbal about athletics. And uh, so this week we're at a basketball game, and the Mariners playing, and uh, we're watching the game, Matt's on the team, and um, for me, I am being relatively calm and quiet throughout the entire game. I'm commentating to Peg and the two coaches that are in front of us, two football coaches, you know, about some of this stuff, but relatively for me, I'm being quiet. About the third quarter, my wife suddenly is yelling her head off. She's screaming at the official, that's the wrong call. And I'm laughing, thinking, this is hilarious. Here I am being quiet. Uh, To that point. After that, I wasn't so quiet. um, And she's yelling. Now, why would she do that? Because you know what? She doesn't care at all about sports. She doesn't really. She wouldn't even go to a basketball game. In fact, she doesn't even understand a lot of it yet. Why is she yelling like that? You know why? Because it involves her son. And she loves her son. And because she loves her son as a mom, she's passionate about what he's involved in. And this Christmas, I hope that we would be reminded that we love God. And our love for Him evokes some passion in our lives. Simeon was passionate looking for the Savior. And out of his deep and abiding love for God came a passion that resulted in worship. And I'm hoping this Christmas season that out of our deep love for God there will be a passion that flows out of us that results in worship. Not just when we're here, but every day we'll be reminded that into our dark world into our dark lives came the light of the world. And for some of you in this room today, the very best way that you could begin this Christmas season is by doing something you have resisted doing your whole life. And that is letting Jesus become your Savior. Accepting His incredible gift of grace. Accepting the forgiveness of your sins that He died on the cross to do. Allowing Him to become the leader of your life. And then as a way of publicly declaring your faith in Jesus Christ, being baptized or immersed in water in obedience to what Jesus asked us to do. It's that, I can't think of a better way to start the Christmas season than for you to step across the line and say to God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior. And all that could happen today. As we wrap things up here today, I'm going to be right down here in the front. And if you would like to talk to somebody very privately about how you could take that step, I would love to have that conversation. 
you've never been baptized and you'd like to be baptized, we're offering the opportunity following our second worship service at a heated pool uh, not too far from here. I got that in there. Um, just a couple blocks away, an opportunity for you to be baptized. And if you'd like to be baptized today, if you want to come back just at the end of the second service, right around 12 o'clock, and meet me right down here in the front of the auditorium, we'll have that opportunity to baptize you. That'd be a great way to start this Christmas. And it'd be a great way of identifying in your life. That's what this is all about. Let's pray together. God, thanks for the gift of Jesus. Thank You for light that came into our dark world. Thank You for the difference that it makes. And this Christmas season, God, this year, would You help us not to be distracted by all the things that end up on our list. But God, would You help us to be intentional and to be focused and to remind ourselves that this is all about Jesus. God, would you help us to celebrate His coming this year and let it change our lives as we do. In Jesus' name I pray.